Hello, everybody, and welcome to the, what is it, 27th episode of the Bad MotoGP show, I think. But we're here to uh, do our little season preview. We did it last year, and um, we were right on some, some points. We were wrong on some points, and we're here to do it again. And, uh, yeah, Keelan is back after a long time, uh, a long winter break. So thank you very much for joining me, and... Yeah, let's uh, let's jump right uh, into it with our pick for the MotoGP World Champion. Obviously, a lot has changed with the sprint races and all of this stuff. But uh, yeah, what do you think? Who will win the MotoGP World Championship? First of all, hello everybody. We are back and we are live for 2023. Bad MotoGP show is back. I am back from hibernation, Leo. I've come back out of my cave, not like Osama bin Laden, but I am back. Good to be back with everybody. Good to be back with you, my friend. And I'm very excited for this season. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. Let's just say that. Anyway, yes. straight into the picks. Last year, some of them made me look like a made me look like Rain Man as a genius. Some of them made me look an idiot. That's the way it works sometimes. But I'm back to be better than last year. And like you said, we're going to kick it off with the 2023 MotoGP World Champion. I'm going to start this off with quite an interesting pick. I think it's going to be... Inea Bastianini, and I'm going to tell you why. I think Pego Bagnaia is many people's favourite to be champion, and with good reason. My man had a phenomenal season last year, wiped the floor with nearly everybody, wiped the floor with Yamaha for certain. Not that that's difficult, but he did it anyway. I think with Inea Bastianini, the dynamic has changed with Ducati. It's no longer the fact that there's, it's or it's no longer the it's no longer the way that it's a clear number one and number two in Ducati. There's now two number ones. And I think Anaya Bastianini is going to push Paco Bagnaia really, really hard this year. I think he was phenomenal last year on the Grassini Ducati, a year old Ducati. And I think if you're looking at him with 2023 machinery, factory support, I think you're looking at the next world champion. So for me... Enea Bastianini is going to take the 2023 MotoGP world title. I have several issues with that. Of course because, you do. <laughs> because my pick is Peko. And um, I think realistically it's between those two. And yeah. Fabio has a shot, of course, because he's, an, he's, in my opinion, still the best rider on the grid. But, but his bike isn't up to the task to win the championship, I believe. And uh, maybe if something really goes wrong at Ducati, Fabio has a shot, but I don't really see it. I see uh, Enea and Peko battling it out. And to me, uh, I think Peko has still the edge because he has the confidence of just winning a world title. He made a lot of mistakes uh, last year and in 2021. And I believe he learned from it. And I also believe that the 23 Ducati is suited a little bit better around Peko than it's about in uh, on Enea Bassanini. And he, he even said that the bike is molded around him more, which is a positive if you're Peko Banyaya. And uh, whatever this means, we don't know, obviously, because uh, we don't have a flying uh, idea <laughs> of what the fuck is going on anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I think this is a reason why Pekka will have the edge and also the sprint races are a big part because Enea Bastianini obviously is very, very good at racing. 
but he is usually better in the second half of the season. Maybe he can adapt and bring it out uh, from the beginning. Of course, he can. But right now, where we don't have any actual data on what the fuck is going on during a sprint race, I would assume that Peko is better at sprint racing than uh, Enea is. And Peko isn't bad at the main races either. So I think it's in the main races, it's basically a, a coin flip between those two. Mm -hmm. Those two can win every race and those two can do uh, stupid shit in every race. But I think the sprint races will give Peko the edge over the season because it's it's like 300 points or whatever. So, yeah, I think they uh, they will battle it out, but I think Peko will do it for the reasons I just uh, laid out. Yeah, look, that's a completely fair point, and I'm not going to sit here and argue the reigning world champion's credentials. He's the world champion for a very good reason. He's the best rider in the world, if you go on that. I just think, like you said, and you make a very good point, Leo, I think it's very clearly a coin flip between Bastianini and Banyaya. I just think if anybody in the grid could potentially push Banyaya to the limit and pip him, I think it would be Anea Bastianini. And I like an underdog story, so I'm going to pick Anea Bastianini. I think many people will be on your side in this and pick Paco Banyaya, but you know what? I like a challenge, so... I'm going to go in a Bastianini, and I'm either going to look like a genius or I'm going to look like an idiot, but I look forward to finding out. I think that Inia Bastianini showed last year that he's very capable of pushing Pekka and I think there's a massive, massive potential for conflict, and there's a massive potential for an upset and a, a shift of power if Pekko allows Inia to fuck with his head. But yeah, if he I doesn't, agree. if he, if Peko is able to take a second place if he needs to, like even an eighth place or whatever if he needs to, he will be fine over the course of the season, I believe. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think with Ducati, you, we kind of have the potential for another Rossi-Lorenzo situation in terms of two very volatile teammates who are both one and two on the grid and i think like you said it really comes down to who can be the more pragmatic rider who can be the more cold and calculated rider because we've seen with peko banyaya in the past that he has the potential to be unable to accept a lesser position but live to fight another day whereas i think we've seen with anaya bastianini that there can be a little bit more of a willingness to take a second place a third place a fourth place in order to pick up the points so i think that dynamic will be very interesting to see as we go throughout the season but like you said at the end of the day we don't have any of the data we don't know what's going to happen i think ultimately that's what it will come down to but i'm intrigued to see who will master that yeah and when you look at Inia Bastianini's development curve it's very rapid he came into MotoGP in 2021 on the Avincia Ducati scored two podiums went on to win a couple races last year and if this development curve continues everybody is in serious trouble oh yeah but but I th I still think that Peko right now still has the edge and if Inea can qualify as consistently on the front uh, row as Peko can, if Inea can be as dominant from the beginning of the race as Peko can be, and then add on those uh, benefits he has with a, a great uh, a great late race pace, then Peko is in serious trouble, but I don't see it yet. 
do you think it's maybe a little too soon for Bastianini? No, I don't think it's too soon. I think that he will have some issues at the beginning of the season, being uh, getting comfortable with the sprint races, being able to consistently qualify on the front row. And um, I believe Pekka will pull ahead at the beginning. And Enea will close the gap towards the end to him, but I don't think it will be enough to overthrow him unless Pekko uh, lets him fuck with his mind and crash out. And Because this you can't allow. If you're in a championship fight, uh, you can't allow yourself to crash out. It was very, very odd that somebody won the championship after crashing out five times. It usually doesn't happen, and I don't think it will happen this year. Because Inea will be too good if Peko doesn't watch uh, carefully. I can, I definitely agree with that. I think Bastianini has absolutely got the potential and the talent to capitalize if those mistakes do materialize and come about. But whether they come about, that's what we'll have to see. Yeah. And uh, we spent now 10 minutes discussing uh, the MotoGP World Champion, and I, will, I believe we will uh, spend 10 seconds discussing the <laughs> Moto2 World Champion, which is obviously Pedro Acosta. And uh, in my mind, there is no doubt that he will win the title, except something like an injury happens or whatever. But if everything goes to plan, Pedro will be unbeatable. Yeah, unless Pedro Acosta suffers a horrific injury or he breaks his leg or something like this, I don't see what stops him winning the world title this year. I thought he was brilliant last year with how he... Because Moto2 is a notoriously difficult class to adapt to, and he took to it really, really well. Quite frankly, like you've said, like what I've said, barring uh, a hammer from the gods i don't see what stops him from winning the title this year lord pedro continues the origin story and wins the moto 2 world title yeah he's on the best bike on the grid obviously the Kalex. he's in the best team on the grid red bull ktm io and uh he's with the team for his uh, third season now so he knows the structure the team knows him everything is basically the same as last year he can develop and use um use those advantages over albert arenas who i believe is his biggest rival also alonso lopez has a huge say in uh in who will win the world championship but over the course of the season i don't trust the speed up to be as good as the Kalex, and i don't trust the, um, the speed up team to be as good as red bull ktm io and also in Valencia, I've uh, got a feeling that when the pressure is really there and the Rookie of the Year title was up, that Pedro is a little bit more calm and a little bit more calculated in his approach than Alonso is. I feel like Alonso lost his head a little bit in Valencia. And if he fixes this, he can win the title, of course. But uh, you have to fix it first and... Yeah, I I think um, Albert Arenas and Alonso Lopez will be a huge threat to the title, but I still think at the end uh, Pedro will win every race and uh, qualify on pole every qualifying sessions and finish every free practice session on uh, on the top spot. And therefore, I don't see. Obviously, there is a scenario where anybody else could win, but realistically, I don't see anybody beating Pedro. He's too good. 
Yeah, I agree. And I actually think that could well be the one, two, three of this season. Pedro Acosta, Albert Arenas, and Alonso Lopez. I think both those guys are brilliant riders. And like you said, and you're absolutely right, I think they will have a big say in how the title picture goes. But as long as Pedro's Pedro, I think he controls his own destiny this season. And I think as long as he rides as well as we know he can and how he will, then I think it's his title to lose. Yeah, and he is in the perfect place. You don't want to be anywhere else when you're in Red Bull KTM IO. I don't understand why Daniel Elgado went away from uh, Red Bull KTM IO, and I probably won't ever understand. But uh, Pedro is in the perfect space uh, where he has all the tools to win from a talent perspective and from a team perspective. And yeah, he's back with number 37. So this is a sign. Yeah, it's a sign. What's a little bit sad about the number 37 is that the meme you remember where he was standing in front of the bike with the 51 and I crossed out the five uh, every time he won. <laughs> I don't know if this meme uh, is dead now, but no. uh, yeah, I just, could still use it. Just scribble out the three, scribble out the top part of the seven. You still have number one. Pedro, we've saved the meme. It's still going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I will use the 51 meme uh, still because it's it's a little bit of a tradition. I don't know yet. I will have to, um, today is Tuesday. I have uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five days to figure out uh, what to do after Pedro wins the first race. So uh, yeah, I will come up with something. Nice. Okay, next point is the Moto3 World Champion, which is always uh, <laughs> like throwing a dart uh, without looking. You could pick anybody there, and it's uh, probably wrong. But yeah, uh, yeah we, will, we will still give it a go. So who's your pick for the Moto3 World Champion? Yeah, as you said, this is really a bit of a crapshoot Moto3. It you could pick about half of the grid and you could make a fair argument for them winning the title. Um, I've picked Dennis Onshu, uh, another Red Bull rider. Um, the only real factual reason I picked Dennis Onshu is that he's so aggressive that sometimes it just scares the other riders. And I think sometimes you, like it's like that meme you made of the dude riding through Turkey in the scooter. Uh, that is basically Dennis Onchu um, in a nutshell. And sometimes that wins you races, sometimes it lose you, loses you races. Um, I think his form was pretty impressive towards the end of last season. Maybe he can carry that into this year. If he can, it's all to play for. But really, he can either win the title or he can completely throw it away. I'm going to say he maybe wins it. Uh, but really, apart from that, I have no other factual basis of defense for picking him other than he's batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think he kind of got it under uh, he got it under control over the last season. I mean, uh, in twenty twenty one, there were a lot of instances where you thought, "Oh my god, what is happening here?" But in twenty two, he still had those instances, but there were a lot less and he progressively got cleaner with his racing without losing the aggressiveness, which is usually a good sign. So I think Dennis Enchu will have a couple of good races, but I think he will be hindered by his height and by his weight and Moto3 still, you know, but it could very well be, I don't know. My pick is Diogo Mojera. 
And for the simple reason that Yogo Mohera is, from a talent perspective, in my opinion, the best rider on the grid. There's nobody I would agree with that. better at at riding a motorcycle than Diogo Mohera right now. And he went to the Supermoto World Championship, the World Championship, and won the race. He did it just for fun. He won the race. He did it again in uh, this year, I believe. When I was at Rockles for the Christmas DT, you know, you had riders like Fermin Aldige there, Remy Gardner there, uh, Alessia Spagra, and he was playing with them on the dirt track. It was so incredible to see him. And he's super friendly. We talked a little bit. Uh, he's a super nice guy and he deserves, deserves everything. The only thing that kind of gets into way with him or could get into the way uh, with him winning the title is his team because it's still a fairly new team. Uh, obviously, teams like Leopard or like Red Bull KTM Ayo are better teams. So I don't know how they will put it together. But from a rider's perspective, with one year experience in the same team, where maybe if they figure it out, he can win everything because uh, he is that good of a rider. And I'm really excited for him in the future. And because of this, it's my pick. But at the end of the day, we don't know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think the only potential doubt with Diogo is the team factor that you mentioned, but as far as pure talent, I agree. I think Diogo Mojera is the best rider on the Moto3 grid. I think he is so ridiculously talented that it's not even fair. I mean, you just told that story about the ranch, which is unbelievable. The fact that he would have the ability to play with much more experienced riders on a dirt bike is just unbelievable. If his team can get it right, I think he's probably the title favorite. But like you said, it all depends on whether the team can get it right. If they can put it together, by all means. If not, then I think it becomes a little bit more of a dogfight in that way. But I'd actually like to see Diogo Mojero win. I think he's an incredibly talented kid. And I think he's a future MotoGP world champion as well. So I'm really excited to see how Moto3 plays out. Yeah. And... The good thing about Moto3 is you don't have to be consistently on the podium. Uh, Moto3 is so chaotic, you get away with finishing 8th, 9th, 10th, even sometimes uh, 14th or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you are as consistent as you can be in the class, then you have a, a fairly good shot at the at the title because it's so chaotic. And he had some flashes of greatness last year. And I think he can only build uh, on that. And if he stays injury-free, of course, I think he has a good shot at winning the title. Yeah, and like you said, really, he can only get better. There's no way he can get worse from last year. Um, I think if he can put it together, be consistent, even if they're top 10 finishes, he will be in the mix come the end part of the season. If he can stay consistent, be in the mix, pick up a couple of wins here and there, I think he's my favorite to win the title. Next, I would like to discuss the rookies of the year. And uh, in MotoGP, it would be as easy as picking Pedro for uh, the Moto2 title because obviously Augusto Fernandez is the only uh, rookie in the class. So I thought about something different there, a different category to last year, which is that uh, a rider with a new manufacturer. So for example, Inea Bastianini doesn't count because he stays with Ducati. But a rider with a new manufacturer, who's going to be the best this season? What do you believe? Well, I've gone for two because I think there's two that are equally valid in mentioning. Um, I won't you take have a to choose one. 
oh, well, sorry, people, you got robbed of hearing one of my decisions because Leo said so. So, oh, okay. go on, but choose one at the end. All right. Well, I was gonna go for I was gonna go for the one you've picked, but I'll go for the one you haven't just to keep things interesting. Um, Miguel Oliveira at Aprilia is my pick that I'm gonna mention. I think people have forgotten just how good of a rider Miguel Oliveira is. He's world championship caliber. Um, when he was at KTM, I mean, the races that he won, he dominated. You know, there's never been really a race Miguel Oliveira's won where he didn't deserve to win it. He's either been in the mix, like in Austria, or he's been in somewhere like Portimao, and he's absolutely smashed the rest of the grid to pieces throughout the race. So I think on a bike like the Aprilia, that he will have a very good say in molding and developing. I think he will be brilliant, and I think he will be a phenomenal asset to that RNF Aprilia team. Miguel Oliveira is my pick for best rider on a new manufacturer's bike this season. I uh, I can see that happening. And to your point that he uh, deserved every win, you could make an argument that in Austria 2020, Paul Espargaro, who got pushed wide by Jack Miller and therefore Miguel Oliveira slipped through and won the race, he kind of deserved it a little bit more, in my opinion. But uh, yeah. At the end of the day, you're right. He has won a fair amount of races and most of them were very, very, very dominant. And when you beat Fabio at Catalonia or those two rain races last year or where he won in Portugal, even though there is speculation that he <laughs> may have some advantages to to bring, the pot, uh, to bring Portimao back in uh, 2021. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he still won the race. You still have to do it. And he was incredible in those races. So I can really, really see it. My pick will be Alex Marcus. And for a few reasons. Alex Marcus, in my opinion, is a better rider than Miguel Oliveira. He's a two-time world champion. He is, uh, yeah, he is on a V4 Honda, came on into MotoGP on a V4 Honda, where he had the, the V4 riding style and then goes on a V4 Ducati. So basically most of it is the same, except that Ducati is much better. And uh, Miguel Oliveira came from a steel frame shitbox, which is named the KTM. <laughs> and uh, goes on to an aluminium bike. So I believe there has to be a lot of adjustments made for his uh, riding style. And therefore, I think that Alex Marcus has the edge over him. I think he's A, the better rider, with B, the better bike, and C, less adaptation to do. So yeah, that's my reason behind it. Well, that's a completely fair argument, and I'm not going to argue with you. I think Alex Marquez would be a lot of people's favorite, especially after the testing where he's floating around the top five, top six, which is quite frankly unbelievable. Um, I think the bike is going to make all the difference. I think Alex Marquez is going to have a much more fun season this season, being on the Ducati as opposed to the new shitbox, which is called Honda. Um, I, th I think he's going to enjoy it a lot more, I have to say. Um. But I think both riders will have great seasons. Um, I think Oliveira is going to be a lot happier being away from KTM and being able to breathe and almost having a Maverick Vinales type reset and being with a new team, being able to enjoy it and being able to develop the experience. But I do think Alex Marquez would be many people's favorite uh, to be the best rider on a new bike. And I'm not going to argue with that because I think it makes sense. 
Yeah. And additionally, I forgot one point. I think Rosini is the far better team than RNF. RNF looks like a mess a couple of times. And there's a little bit of uh, a potential. I, we have the bold predictions later on in the race. In the episode, I'm sorry. But I will uh, throw one bold prediction out now. Is that uh, Crypto Data, the sponsor of uh, of RNF, will uh, pull out mid-season. Because I don't trust it that it will be liquid all year around with the whole crypto shit going on or whatever they do. It looks like Jesus. a huge... Yeah, it looks like a huge money laundering thing and without knowing actually anything there, my uneducated guess is that the sponsor will go bankrupt sometime <laughs> in the season. Bull and prediction, Miguel Oliveira gets arrested for money laundering. <laughs> what What if Bang Bros or, uh, oh, or Pornhub step in? <laughs> 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 got the little drum intro at the beginning <laughs> yeah and um one uh, little bold prediction i want to add as well i don't think that the um, indian gp or the kazakhstan gp i don't know which one i don't think it will uh it will happen and i think one of the two will be uh, substituted with aragon this is my second uneducated guess because um i don't believe it that you can just like this uh, go on a new track and yeah. Well, no, I actually, I'm sure further on in the season we'll discuss those, but I'm really glad you did. And being serious for a minute, I am glad you actually mentioned them because I think the Kazakh GP doesn't make any sense um, at all. But then again, it's Giancarlo's cousin or nephew running it. So of course we all know why we're getting it. The problem with the Indian GP is, is that I know India is an F1 country, you know, I get that, they're mad about that, but does that even make any sense? Like, like the one of our big issues last year, ladies and gentlemen, you'll remember this from watching the podcast, the traveling itinerary and the lack of planning that went into it was a mess. How the hell are you going to plan going to India and back and fitting it in with the rest of the schedule? I think that India makes a lot of sense and I really like that they're going there because it's a, a huge country. They have over a billion people there. True. So I think a couple of them will like MotoGP. Then it's a huge market for all the manufacturers like except Ducati who build small motorcycles because those Southeastern, again, those Southeast Asian countries are notorious for having uh, those small bikes or scooters uh, driving true. around anywhere. So I think it's a brilliant move to go to India. I don't know if the infrastructure holds up, but I'm in no position judging that because I have never been there. I have no idea what's going on in India. But I think the Kazakhstan GP doesn't make any sense. It's just money. Like Qatar, it's just money. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to say, aside from the logistics of getting there, I do think the Indian Grand Prix will be brilliant because, like you said, India is a, first of all, it's a mass, it's literally like its own continent. It's a massive, massive country with over a billion people living there. A lot of those people, hundreds of millions of them, love motorcycles, like a lot of Southeast Asia. So, from a marketing point of view, you don't even have to sell it because it sells itself. Um, and I think the fans will love it. So I do think from that point of view, it would be brilliant. I'd actually love to go to it because I think it would be a brilliant experience. 
But yeah, India, I'm really looking forward to, but Kazakhstan, I'm not. That makes does that doesn't make any sense to anybody. And with respect, unless you're Borat, who wants to go to Kazakhstan? Let's be real here. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, <laughs> maybe if you're Shafkat, you're uh, you're happy about the Kazakhstan oh, GP. God. <laughs> But um, I think he has uh, other things to do. I think the Kazakhstan GP will more or less have empty grandstands. I think India, if it happens, uh, will have great success. But um, yeah, I still uh, I still doubt that both will happen. I don't know which one won't happen, but I think one of the two uh, will fall out and will be replaced by Ragan. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so back to the Rookie of the Year stuff. Uh, who is your Rookie of the Year in Moto2? Yeah, so my pick for Moto2 is actually quite interesting. I was actually going to go with the same pick you made, but we try to keep it varied and interesting, so we don't want to go for the same thing all the time. And I've gone for Kota Nozone, uh, or Nozane, sorry, uh, I had it right the first time. I've gone for Kota Nozane of the VR46 camp team. Um, I think he's a brilliant young rider. You know, nothing but rave reviews, unlimited potential. And I think he'll make a real splash this year. I think, obviously, with the introduction of that new team, it will be a difficult adjustment in certain places. But I think if any young rider has the potential to get the most out of that bike, it's Kota Nozone. Um, and I'm backing him to be Moto2 Rookie of the Year. Kota Nozane is my pick. My pick is the reigning Moto3 World Champion, Isan Guevara. I think he uh, has several advantages. He knows all the tracks. He knows the team and... Yeah, again, Moto2 is a is a difficult class for a rookie, but I think at the end of the day, Izan will do a good job because he's immensely talented. And I think he can uh, even win a race here and there because uh, he is very, very capable of riding a motorcycle. I agree. And plus, one of the other reasons I went for Kota Nozane is it's time the Japanese had a really good rider back who's capable of, ch of challenging for titles. So I hope it's Kota Nozane because the Japanese deserve it. Not like Ayogur, who is fumbling the title away as soon as he uh, uh, has like one hand on it. No one has fumbled the bag that badly since Steven Gerrard in 2014. Nobody has fumbled it this badly. Yeah. And um, Moto3, Rookie of the Year, which is, for Moto3 standards, in my opinion, fairly easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, some... So my pick for Moto3 Rookie of the Year, I think we're actually, I think this is one of the few pages that we're actually the same on for these predictions. My rookie from Moto3, or my rookie of the year from Moto3 this year is Jose Antonio Rueda. Um, again, a bit like Kota Nozane in Moto2, I just think he's a brilliant young rider. He's proven what he can do. He's proven it many times. And I think with the right team that he's in on the right bike, I think he'll be brilliant. Um, I'm not expecting him to win races or do this or do that, but I think he will have truly solid finishes, and I think he will He will certainly look back in 2023, and I think he'll think he's had a very respectable campaign. So Jose Rueda will be my Moto3 Rookie of the Year. I will 100% uh, think that he will win a race here and there because all the races in Europe for a rookie who has raced there on the Rookies Cup calendar or on the on the Junior GP calendar is still a very 
possible outcome of winning that. Oh, yeah. And uh, I also think that, again, Red Bull KTM IO is a bit of a cheat code. He uh, will have all the experience from Aki and all the setups from Pedro, from Daniel Gado, from Jaume Marcial, where he can work with and get to know the bike, the team and the whole championship very well. And I think that uh, Jose Antonio Reda will win races, but I don't think he will win the title for the reason that when Pedro did it, obviously Pedro is brilliant, but Pedro got a little bit lucky as well because in 2021 we had, except for the America's GP, no overseas races. We had uh, the Qatar race, which he won, so he kind of proves my point wrong there. But um, he basically raced only on tracks he knew, and there were a lot of double headers. So you gain the experience from race one and carry it into race two. Hueda doesn't have it. And he will have to adapt to a lot of new circuits, adapt to the whole traveling schedule. When you are seven, eight weeks uh, away from home, traveling all the time, because as we discussed a couple of minutes ago, the calendar is absolutely ridiculous. And um, therefore, I don't think he will win the title. But on races where he is familiar with the track and he can win it because he's that good. He He's the only rider who won the Junior GP and the Rookies Cup in the same year. And he's coming into uh, into the season as the clear rookie of the year favorite. There's no doubt about it. And I think he can uh, win a lot of races or score a lot of podiums this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think for Jose Rueda, um, the big thing is not putting too much pressure on him. Um, that's the only reason I'm setting the bar that low. I'm in no way saying he cannot smash through that bar. In fact, I think he probably will. I just think for him, the big thing is, especially in the first few races, just getting comfortable, getting familiar, scoring a few decent positions, and then taking it from there. As long as he does that, the sky truly is the limit for Jose Rueda. That I absolutely believe. If he can go out and buy race wins throughout the season, then I think that's brilliant. But as far as I'm concerned for him, first few races, just solid, just stable, and then take it from there. But there's a very good reason we both have him as Rookie of the Year, and that's because I think he will be. Do you think uh, Jose is uh, sitting at home secretly watching the Bad MotoGP show and shitting himself because Keelan put too much pressure on him? <laughs> yes, I think he is, actually. Jose, yeah. <laughs> if you're watching this, I'm very, very sorry. But prove me wrong. Prove me yeah. wrong. Go out, smash the barrier, and if you block me on Instagram, at least I'll know why. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so uh, what is the next category? Uh, yeah, the biggest surprise in MotoGP. So we have biggest surprise in MotoGP, Moto2, and Moto3. And we will start with MotoGP. Who is your biggest surprise, Keelan? Well, my biggest surprise from MotoGP uh, this year isn't actually a who. It's actually a what. And my biggest surprise from MotoGP this year is that the Yamaha will actually not be a piece of shit this year. I know, bold. But the reason I say that is this, um, there's actually two reasons. Firstly, Yamaha have shown in the testing that whilst they're not where they need to be yet, they've shown that they actually have picked up a little bit of top speed here and there, which is very good. It's what they need. It's more importantly what Fabio needs. So that's the first reason, and hopefully they'll work on that throughout the season, of course. 
My second big reason is that Fabio Quartararo himself has come out in several interviews and said that he's actually very happy with what Yamaha have done with the bike. Now, I don't know everything they've done with the bike aside from the top speed, but if Fabio's happy with the bike, then I kind of have to be happy with the bike because I trust what Fabio Quartararo says. And if Fabio's happy with it and he's got a good mindset coming into this season, then maybe he can usurp Ducati. Maybe he can. It's a huge ask. But if he's actually happy with the bike this year compared to where he was last year, then I see no reason not to trust him. My bold prediction for MotoGP this year is that the Yamaha might actually come good for once. I think that Yamaha has a lot of issues, which they solved by just going back to the 22 package. Mm -hmm. And obviously they brought the new engine, which is good. And they went back to the 22 arrow. They went back to the 22 chassis. And you see it a lot, especially Ducati is a very good example last year. When you bring in a new bike, you don't understand the new bike fully and everything's a little bit complicated. But once you understand the bike, you will improve massively. And if Yamaha only has a new engine, the new chassis doesn't work, the new aero doesn't work, something went wrong in the development area. And uh, even with the rear spoiler, they had the Corsa spoiler, which uh, is obviously just a test. We uh, we discussed it a lot uh, on the episode I had with Jack Gross, the test reviews. We went mm -hmm. in depth on everything they brought uh, to the test. But the Stegosaurus was a little bit odd because Fabio kind of liked it, but they still not using it. So I don't know what's up with that. And it feels like Yamaha is pretty clueless on what's next for the bike. And But they're very comfortable with uh, the bike they had in 22 and just put a new engine in. So I think Yamaha will do good, of course, with Fabio because Fabio is, to me, still the best rider in the world. But I think as the season goes on and the other manufacturers understand the new bike more and you have to still compete with eight Ducatis and four Aprilias who, in my opinion, are still better bikes. So it will be a, a very difficult task. But I think those will pull ahead unless Yamaha brings some updates during the season because I believe they're allowed to do one error update or maybe two. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the regulations. So I think... Yamaha obviously has a chance to be good in Portimao or whatever, but I think as as the season goes on, they will struggle a lot. And um, my pick, uh, let me check, my pick is Raul Fernandez because Raul Fernandez, the moral champion of the 2021 season, had an absolute catastrophic rookie season oh. with Tech 3. But take this out of his resume and he's the next big star because he went to uh, model three in 2019 and in uh, 2020 he was winning races in 21 he went to uh, to model two and obviously finished as the moral champion so this is an accomplishment in itself and then went to model gp where everything went wrong but now on the aprilia which is a good bike and uh, which is still a aluminium frame which he got was very very fast on on the model 2 and he has all the potential to erase this catastrophic last year and uh make 
a lot of people remember who he really is. Because I believe Raul Fernandez, from a talent perspective, is one of the best riders on the grid. What he has done in 2020, 21 is super, super impressive. And yeah, it's always what have you done for me lately. But with Raul Fernandez, I think he uh, he has the he has the opportunity to uh, turn a lot of heads around. I think that's a great pick. I really do. I, I mean, I know we both rate Raul Fernandez very highly, especially his title of moral champion. Um, and some would say that's more important than the actual title. I'm not saying I do. Some people think it is, though. But in all seriousness, Raul Fernandez is a phenomenally gifted rider. I mean, you don't survive his year last year unless you really know what you're doing and you have a lot of potential. And I think this year you will see the real Raul Fernandez, just like you'll see the real Miguel Oliveira. Um, I think they'll both be great for the same reasons, actually. I think people have forgotten how truly brilliant this kid is at riding a motorcycle. I mean, if that's not Remy Gardner in 2021, Raul Fernandez absolutely wipes the floor with the rest of the grid by about a thousand points. People do forget that. Raul Fernandez is so naturally gifted, it's not even funny. And with the right bike, he will make waves in races in this bloody sprint race, which is coming up as well. With the right bike, with the right team, with the right mindset, Raul Fernandez will do damage. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing his season this year. Yes. And my motto two biggest surprise is uh, Manu Gonzalez. He had a couple of good races last year towards the end, but wasn't really in a position where he could shine. What stood out to me was Malaysia, where he was battling for the podium. But I think uh, after this season uh, with the Kalex and getting ready, uh, getting comfortable with the Moto2, he is ready to take the next step. I'm not saying he will compete for a championship, but I think he will uh, be consistently at, in the top five and be able to challenge for a podium or even uh, maybe, maybe if something happens with Pedro, maybe challenge for a win. No, but in all seriousness, Manu Gonzalez is a very, very capable rider and I think he will do serious damage occasionally. I don't know if he will be able to put it together for the whole season, but I think he will turn a lot of heads around. Yeah, I think Kota Nozane and Manu Gonzalez are going to be a great team in that VR46 team. I think they're both brilliant young riders, and I think Manu Gonzalez is a brilliant young rider for the reasons that you've mentioned. My surprise for Moto2 is Lord Pedro continuing his origin story. And what I mean by that is, is that people are going to look at this, they're going to comment, oh, Caden, how's that a surprise? You both love Lord Pedro. He's going to win every single race. How's that so surprising? Yes, it is a surprise, and it's going to be a surprise because of how easy I think he's going to make it look. And what I mean by that is, is that I think he's going to win a majority of the races, and I think it's, there's going to be a much bigger distance in Moto2 winning than it has been in previous years. I think there will be a big gap towards the end of the season, and I think Pedro will win it comfortably. That's why it's going to be a surprise. It's not a surprise because Pedro's going to win or because he's going to dominate because we know he's going to dominate. We know he's going to win and we know he's going to win because we know he's the GOAT in waiting. But this is part of the origin story. I think Pedro's going to win and I think he's going to make it look easier than people think he will. Pedro Acosta, Moto2 world champion in waiting, memes in waiting, can't wait. Do you think he will win from the pit lane again? 
Yes, I think he will. I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe it'll happen in India or Kazakhstan. I don't know, but I hope it does happen because then the circle would be complete. Pitley and Pedro wins a race from Pitlane in every category. That's GOAT status right there. I don't even care. If you uh if you're playing a video game and it's too easy so you start messing around, that's what Pedro's gonna do this season. <laughs> Man's completing side quests at this point. He's yeah. completed the mission, he's just doing side quests. Like those uh those triangles, those pyramids on the PlayStation you get where you get the top, which only like one point one percent of the people unlock. It's like win a race in from Pitland in every category. <laughs> he's aiming for that. <laughs> that's what he's I guarantee you that's what he's doing. Yeah. He can't just okay. win normally anymore. That's not enough. He has to win in the most difficult you know what he's gonna do? One day he's gonna win so easily that he's gonna set an accomplishment for himself that says win from the truck that carries the bike to the grid. That's what he's gonna do. He's not even gonna start from the pit anymore. Do you remember when Lewis Hamilton won on three wheels? <laughs> Pedro will do some shit uh, like this. Pedro like, wins on a unicycle. <laughs> oh, yeah, doing a wheelie all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so uh, back to the serious business. Moto three biggest surprise. Yeah, my biggest surprise is, again, it's not really a surprise based on how much we've sung his praises, but I think Diogo Mojera absolutely shines. Um, Again, I understand this one. This probably isn't the biggest surprise, but I think he's just going to shine so brightly that it's going to surprise a few people because there are some people who maybe don't know who he is yet. They maybe don't know how good he is, but I think Diogo Mojera is going to show a lot of people just why we rate him so highly. I think he is going to compete for race wins. I think he's going to be in the championship mix. And if he does win, which I think is very possible, then I think he's just going to shock the world, really. My pick is Jose Antonio Rueda. For all the reasons I laid out, I think mm -hmm. he will be competitive from the first race on. When uh, you look back at the Rookies Cup race uh, last year in Portimao, like the first race of the season, I believe, he won by multiple seconds and he is incredible if he gets a uh, clean air in front of it and he was usually gone and i think he can uh, do stuff like this in model 3 in the world championship so yeah for all the reasons i just mentioned uh, i think jose antonio reda will hit the ground running over the overseas races i think it will be difficult for all the reasons i laid out uh, as well but i think he uh, will be a big surprise because on how competitive he will be in europe Yeah, I think I think that's a great pick. I think it makes a lot of sense, and I would be inclined to agree with it as well. I think uh, Jose Rueda is going to show a lot of people why he's here and what he's here to do. Are you ready to get into the fun part? Yes. The biggest disappointment? Ah, uh, yes. The story of our MotoGP lives. The biggest disappointments of the season. <laughs> <laughs> like the disappointed Vala meme? <laughs> Who's the disappointed Vala of the season? Oh, that see when we do our end of season award show, that's a category. The disappointed Valentino Rider of the Year. We need yeah. to make that a thing because that's brilliant. That's a good idea. Okay, so who's your MotoGP biggest disappointment? My MotoGP disappointment of the year. Again, it's not a rider; it's a thing, and it's going to be Honda. 
Now, the reason I said Honda is because they just don't know what the hell they're doing, basically. A bit like the last three years, they really do, do not know what the hell they're doing. Mark Marquez is the only person really keeping them respectable, and then the rest are down at the foot of the leaderboard, basically. Um, I mean, with Joan Mir and Alex Rins, they will be desperately hoping to turn their fortunes around. They'll be hoping to change the dynamic of the team, and I think they may have some success with that. But the bike's just so bad, and it's in such a lull and a grey area that I think Honda are just going to be so bad this year that I think they weren't being disappointment of the season. I actually think Honda won't be as bad as a lot of people, including you, think. Really? Because, yes, because A, it will look a lot worse than, or it looks a lot worse than they actually are because Mark Marcus was injured for two seasons. Last season was a bit of a roller coaster for him. Then uh, he, he had Paul as a teammate who had a good start to the season, but there was a point in the season where he knew I'm not going to be here for next year. He didn't get all the latest development parts and like a little bit with uh, Raul Fernandez and uh, Tech 3, when you know you're not going to be there uh, for next season, it takes away of the motivation. Then Tucker had some injury issues and Alex Marquez, he kind of knew as well that he's uh, going somewhere else. And um, yeah, I believe Honda has made a step from last season, but also it will look worse because you're competing against eight Ducatis. If there were just four Ducatis on the grid, it's maybe uh, not as bad. So yeah, I think that Mark Marcus will do a lot of good things this season, but also a lot of bad things. But I also think that uh, Joan Mir and Alex Rins will not be as bad as many people might think. I was convinced that Alex Rins will have a bad start to his Honda career because I thought his riding style won't fit the Honda. But apparently it's going well, going uh from what he said uh, on the after the tests so um yeah i don't think that honda will be as bad as you think a because of mark marcus and mark marcus is capable of doing anything and also because i i feel like the rider lineup is much better and honda made a step forward even though they're not there yet on the level where ducati is but they're still better than last year in my opinion so my biggest disappointment of the season will be Jack Miller because Jack Miller is a very capable rider, but not on a level of Peko or Enea. And that's the reason he lost his, uh, he lost his Ducati. When sure. you remember on the Ducati, he had good races more towards the end of the season, but he usually had some good races on the Ducati, but he wasn't the most consistent rider on the grid. And he had a lot of issues with uh, using up the rear tire towards the end. And now he's on a KTM, which in my opinion is a very, very, very difficult bike. Uh, the steel frame shitbox is so inconsistent, inconsistent, that's the word. Uh, it's so inconsistent and it feels like from the outside that they don't even understand what's wrong with it. And when you come from a Ducati where everything works, you have to adapt everything to the steel frame 
which is a completely different bike. The riding style has to be completely different. The feeling you get is completely different. And um, yeah, then you're in yourself not the most consistent rider. And I also think that Jack Miller isn't as good as Brad Binder is. I'm not trying to uh, to tell you that he's bad or anything. He's a very, very capable rider if he's on the right bike. I just don't think that the KTM is the right bike for him. Yeah, completely agree. Or who's your Moto2 biggest disappointment? Well, my Moto2 disappointment of the year is 50% of the reason we have the disappointed Valet meme. So in many ways, it is morally appropriate. My Moto2 disappointment of the year is Celestino Vietti. Um, I don't think this one requires much in-depth explanation or justification. Um, he's probably going to have a very good start to this year, and then he's going to throw it away by DNFing in every race past the 50% halfway point. We're going to see many more disappointed Valley memes because of Celestino Vietti. He let me down last year. He will let me down again. Celestino Vietti, I'm sorry, but your disappointment of the year for Moto2. There's no real nice way to say it. I think Vietti has the opportunity of learning a lot. And but will he? When, that's that's the question. Obviously, we don't know. But he showed last year that he is very, very fast. And he showed last year that he is very, very prone to crashing, especially when you're in a good position. But if he is able to, to forget what happened towards the end of last season, learn from his mistakes, get his mind in the right place, he has uh, the potential of, uh, of doing very well and... I would give him the benefit of the doubt and said he uh, he went home this winter, uh, kind of reset everything and builds from the good things of last year and eliminating the bad things of last year and therefore being a better rider. This is my opinion. But uh, yeah, let's see how it works out after he has the long lap penalty or double long lap penalty in the first race. So yeah. Which is ridiculous that you can carry a penalty over to the next season. But yeah. My biggest disappointment is uh, our MotoGP, uh, <laughs> not Rookie of the Year, <laughs> uh, Darren Binder. And uh, for the reason that I don't think it's beneficial for the development of a rider to go from Moto3 to MotoGP to Moto2. And yeah. I don't know. I'm not very I'm not very sure and I think he will not be where you might think a rider coming from MotoGP should be. So when you remember where Tom Lutti uh ended up after going to MotoGP and coming back or where Sam Lowe's uh ended up going to MotoGP and coming back, I think he will have a lot more struggles because he has no experience on the Moto2 bike and therefore no way to build uh, to build on that and I think that he will crash a lot I think he will um, not be as fast as you would think and yeah I don't see any scenario where Darren Binder has a good rookie season yeah I agree I mean the reigning and defending disappointment from last year will retain his title this year would appear um, no, I, I do agree. Um, 
to be honest with you, I've never agreed with jumping from Moto3 to MotoGP because if you have to fall back in Moto2, you have no experience there and you're kind of right back where you started. The problem with Darren Bender is that I don't think he'll have learned anything from last year. I think he'll be the same. I think he'll be reckless. I think he'll crash a lot. And I think it's actually a very good shout for disappointment of the year from Moto2. Um, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I think Darren Bender is a strong contender. Jack Dixon has also uh, a say in disappointment of the year, I believe. Oh, that's not fair. I think Jake's going to be all right this year. No, I don't. I don't think he has the capabilities that people want him to have. That's a good way of framing it. I, I, I think this is a fair argument. I do think he's gotten a lot better, though. To be fair, I mean, he's much more consistent than he's ever been. Yeah, funnily enough, he only got this uh, seat last year because he uh, went to Dorna and said, "Hey, I'm out of a ride after Petronas pulled out." And apparently Alonso Lopez had the seat at Aspar, but then Dorna kind of intervened and said, hey, you have to give it to the British rider because we have enough Spanish riders. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've heard. But, um, yeah, he proved the decision to be right in a way last year, even though he still wasn't as good as Alonso Lopez was. But, um, yeah, I don't think he... And to consider someone a disappointment, you have the expectations here and you have to uh, to finish significantly lower there. And I think a lot of people are hyping him up to win races and to compete for the championship. And I just don't see it, but uh, yeah. Jake, crash and delete again, please, so I can make memes. <laughs> Jake, you serve an important purpose on this podcast. We need the material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of writers who have a very significant role of fucking shit up and <laughs> therefore making good content for the memes. So uh, know your place in the MotoGP grid and please deliver. <laughs> do it for the culture. <laughs> yeah, do it for the culture. A lot of people count on you, Jake. <laughs> Okay, who's your biggest disappointment in Moto3? Right, <clears throat> excuse me. So on the Moto3, my biggest disappointment, and I have this in brackets again, is Jaume Masia. Um, I think Jaume Masia is just going to let me down again. Um, he let me down last year. I think he's going to let me down again this year. He's got, his expectation is going to be up here. I think he's going to end up being about here. And I would look like an idiot for defending him again. So to be honest, Jaume Masia is my disappointment of the year for Moto3. If I remember correctly, he was your championship pick last year. So that went downhill. And that now went downhill <laughs> fast. <laughs> yeah, and now you're pretty, pretty, uh, what is it, pity? Y yeah, basically, yeah. I, I, I am not high on Jaume Masia at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jaume has all the capabilities in the world, but I don't know what's going on with the switch back to uh, to Leopard. And it seems like he's a little bit uh, caught in some kind of a circle where he can't get out. I think he he has a lot of potential, but I don't see a real development there, you know? I feel yeah. like since 2020, he's more or less in the same place and it's it's difficult, but... Let me say it this way. The Honda, if it's better and if it suits his style more, he can do some damage. 
True. Occasion occasionally. I don't mm-hmm. think he will be consistently good. No, I I I think that's a fair argument to make. My biggest disappointment actually is Dennis Unchi. <laughs> and not that I think he will have a bad season. I think he will have a fairly good season. But as you yeah, you had him as your championship pick, as many people uh have him as a championship contender, I don't think he will live up to it because I think he isn't it's not that he isn't capable of doing it. He is very tall and heavy for the class and he tends to lose his head a little bit uh, and I don't think that he will be able to put the consistency consistency um, in that you need to win a title. I don't think he never won a race even, you know, and I don't think that if you want a rider to win a championship that he has the right state of mind, you know, because he tends to be a little, uh, yeah, overly aggressive and a little, um, even though he's gotten clearly better at it, I don't, it's still a very, very different kind of, uh, kind of task to keep your head in the right place to win a championship where the pressure is immense or keep your head in the right place where you're in a race fighting for a good position. That's two different games, you know? And I think that he will he will do good. I think he will even maybe win a race or two, but I don't think he will win the championship. I think he uh, he's too tall, he's too heavy, and he will not be able to be calm enough in certain situations. So yeah, therefore, I don't think he will win the title. Yeah, he's like the Danilo Petrucci of Moto3. Great rider, but just too big and too heavy. I think that's a fair enough argument to make, but I yeah. think the ability is definitely there. Yeah, but then again, it's Moto3 and everything can happen. And at the end of the day, we don't know. I, I feel like I can make the most educated guess on MotoGP than Moto2 <laughs> and Moto3 is just a lottery. I mean, it could be true. It could be very, very untrue. And uh, yeah, I don't know, but he has all the all the tools from a rider's perspective where he's good, he's very fast, even though I thought a lot of times last year that he's missing this last step in pace, but also you could develop this, so I don't know, but uh, yeah, he also was in Tech 3, and Tech 3 uh, in MotoGP at least is a total mess, so I don't know how good they are in Moto3, and maybe it's good for him to be at Akiayo, so yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, MotoGP Constructors Champion. Uh, I think we can wrap this up in 10 <laughs> seconds again. <laughs> yep. Ducati, most bikes, best bikes, best riders. Next question. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. Best independent team. Yeah. In um, so did you say best independent team or best rider? Best independent Oh, best independent rider and afterwards is Team IS. I uh, fucked up. Yeah, no, no, no. It's okay. Um, this will be pretty quick for me because both are pretty much the same anyway. 
Um, Miguel Oliveira is my independent writer of the year, independent team or crypto data for however long that lasts, RNF Aprilia. Um, Oliveira, been over it already. I think he's a great writer. People have forgotten how good he is. I think with the new headspace, new team, new bike, new opportunities to develop, I think he'll get back to his very best. I think he may even win some races this year, maybe a bit of a bold prediction, but he'll certainly be in the mix. I think he'll be a top 10 rider most weekends. And I just think he'll be really, really good. Now, again, Crypto Data RNF Aprilia probably will last for about six races if we're lucky. But as for the actual team, I think with the Raul Fernandez and Miguel Oliveira, I think that's a great uh, pairing. I think it's a great blend of youth and experience with two world-class riders. And if they can put it together, they could do some real damage. So the sponsors will fall apart. Someone will get arrested for money laundering. But the team itself, I think, could be a very good pairing. I think after Pornhub steps in, they will have a massive increase of performance. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. A little yeah. blue button on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't think RNF uh, will be the best independent team because RNF in itself, I don't trust the structure. Uh, maybe Fair it's just argument. me. I don't really have a good explanation on why. I just think it's it's a feeling like a gut feeling that this thing isn't uh managed properly they're just not very trustworthy are they <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe it's that i don't know and, and the bike looks so boring delivery is so fucking boring yeah um and miguel Oliveira, i don't think he will win uh best independent rider because he's still adapting to a new bike there were a lot of riders who are very very fast and very very good on bikes that they've been on for like two three seasons or maybe even more i don't know and um yeah my pick for best independent rider is Jorge martin i think the 23 ducati suits him a lot better than a 22 ducati I think the whole factory seat thing is out of his head right now and maybe he will uh, put in some good performances to qualify for the Yamaha factory seat. So uh, yeah, I think that Jorge Martin will be more like the 2021 Jorge Martin than the 22 Jorge Martin. And um he said that the engine, the new engine is very, very different. And this is like the main weakness of the Ducati in 22 for the GP22. And um, yeah, I think the 23 Ducati is just uh, better for him. I think that his state of mind is just better for him. And I think that he will win races. And definitely, I definitely think he will win a sprint race. I'm very, very, very sure that he will. Uh, I think he has also the potential to win a real race. And uh, yeah, to me, Jorge Martin, I don't think he's a championship contender, but he's definitely a contender for podiums on a regular basis and even race wins. And with his qualifying pace and the sprint race, this is a recipe for disaster for everybody else, maybe except Peko. Yeah, I think the, just to step in real quick before you go on to your team, I think the sprint race will actually suit Jorge Martin really, really well because over a short period of sort of laps and so on, his pace tends to be out of this world. So that that could actually be a real positive for Jorge Martin. That I didn't think of that. That's a great point. Yeah. 
uh, it's still weird that you still have to account for the sprint races every time you think about something in MotoGP because uh, I guess we are also used to just thinking about a race and what is uh, happening in a race weekend normally and what's happening on a qualifying. But you have this in-between thing now where you have to combine those two and Jorge Martin's pace in qualifying is second to none. And Jorge Martin's pace at the beginning of a race in clean air is Jorge Lorenzo-esque. Look what he did in Malaysia, for example, last year on a bike he wasn't very, very comfortable on. And the GP21 back then in Qatar, where he uh, finished on the podium on the second race, uh, he had pole position and he was leading for a very, very long time. And I just think that Jorge Martin uh, is built for sprint races, where he don't have to uh, worry about tires, where he don't have to worry about fuel. I mean, this is really interesting. In MotoGP, you are allowed to put 22 liters of fuel into your bike on a race. So in a sprint race, where which is half distance, you would think they get 11 liters, but they get 12 liters. So it's one extra liter um, that they can that they can use over the over the race distance. And for a bike like Ducati, which has a lot of power and therefore maybe cuts down a little bit on the fuel input uh, to preserve the fuel, they will benefit massively, I believe. And uh, I think that that Jorge Martin will be very, very capable of of winning main races and also winning sprint races and being very, very, very good if he's able to learn from all of his mistakes last year. Yeah, I, I mean, not much to add to that. I I agree. And of course, he has to stay injury free because Jorge Martin is a bit injury prone. So. Let's hope he stays healthy because if he stays healthy, he's an absolute motherfucker. Oh, I mean, no question. When he's healthy, he's one of the best on the grid. Yeah. Talent-wise, he is uh, up there. And there are a few things, I believe, that are holding him back. And I hope that the whole factory thing uh, is out of his head right now and he just concentrates on winning races because he's very capable of doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As long as his headspace is clear, there's few that can stop him. So long as that's out of his head, he will be very good. Yes. And my best independent team will be uh, the Valentino Rossi team, which Marco Bezzecchi, uh with Marco Bezzecchi <laughs> and Luca Marini. Luca Marini had an amazing offseason. He uh, finished first in the test in Valencia. He finished first in the test in Zipang, and he was good in Portimao. I think that he has a perfect situation for him, which is the same bike as last year, same team as last year. Everything's the same. He can build on everything he uh, he made in 2022. He had a lot of good. Um, he had a lot of good races, especially towards the end. He is very, very consistent. Uh, there, were, I believe, he's still. Um, officially a rider who finished every race even though he crashed in thailand but i believe he picked the bike up and whatever mm -hmm. but um he's very consistent and i also think that marco bezecchi will uh have flashes of brilliance this season like he did last year last year in Aston, where he i believe he finished on a podium in Aston, right i think he um, finished third yeah 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 he was incredible in a lot of uh 
in a lot of races. And I think that he, with uh, GP22, with all the data they uh, had and with Luca Marini as his teammate, and I don't think there's any rivalry between him or like a healthy rivalry. And I think they will help each other. I think it's a great atmosphere, perfect bike for those two. And I think they they both have the potential to have very, very good seasons. And therefore, I think collectively, they will be the best independent team. It's a great pick. It's a really great pick. I like it a lot. I don't think anybody's given enough spotlight to Marini and Bezaki, but they're probably happy with it being that way. They'll just do their thing below the radar and they will be very impressive this year. I like that. That's a good pick. Yeah, and a lot like Enea Bastianini, Luca Marini's development curve is very, very consistent upwards. Maybe not as uh, as as good as Enea Bastianini. Like if Enea Bastianini is here, Luca Marini is a little bit below. Yeah. But still, he almost won the Moto2 title when Enea Bastianini uh, won it at the end. And uh, again, he had some incredible races last year and got a little bit overshadowed by his uh, his fellow Italian riders last season but uh i think he is very very capable of even winning a race yeah i agree okay now uh let the fun begin again our top three bold predictions in moto gp i mean i i kind of have five after uh discussing some uh, of it earlier but uh yeah Crypto uh, data won't last more than uh, half the season. After the summer break, they will have a Pornhub sponsorship. And uh, I think that India or Kazakhstan won't happen. So those are like my two unofficial bold predictions. But now we're coming to the official bold predictions. So yeah, would you tell us your bold predictions? Yeah, sure thing. Um, I kind of have a couple of my own after what we've discussed, but I'll stick with what I've got written down and then we'll get into whatever we have after that. So my first bold prediction for this year is that the Yamaha is much more competitive this year. Um, Again, we've discussed that earlier on in the podcast. I think they find something. Um, Fabio seems happy with it, which leads me to be happy with it, which at the end of the day, Fabio being happy is all that matters really. And hopefully Franco Morbidelli will actually be contributing this year. So he may actually be able to share the workload a little bit more. Uh, But I think Yamaha will be competitive this year. Um, Bold prediction number two, because this dovetails into number three, Alex Marquez finishes above Mark. In the end of season standings um i don't know if that's necessarily bold but i do think that will happen and i think seeing alex above mark will just fuck people up so badly that i'm gonna count it as shocking and then my third bold prediction which is the least likely but we have bold predictions for a reason i think mark marquez leaves honda at the end of this year and by 2024 he's with ducati or somebody else now, the reason that I, there is actually a base to why I'm saying this, the reason I think Mark leaves Honda is that for the first time in ever, we're hearing serious rumors about Mark being truly unhappy at Honda. And we have a very famous saying, I'm sure you have it as well, um, there's no smoke without fire. And I do believe there is something to this. And when you think about Mark Marquez, you know, he's what, 31 years old now, 30, 31 territory. He's just recovered from yet another career-ending injury. 
and yet the bike hasn't gotten any better. And Mark knows that if he's planning to hunt down Valentino's record of world titles, he doesn't have a lot of time left to do it. So he really is looking to make one or two more good runs at another title. And he's looking at that Honda and thinking, is this the bike that's going to do that for me? And I don't think it is. I don't think anybody thinks it is. Couple that with the fact that Alex Marquez has been doing so brilliantly in preseason testing on board a Ducati. I think things are starting to move here, and I think uh, Mark will eventually leave Honda. Where do you think will Mark end up at Ducati? Well, see, this is the interesting question, because I don't actually know. Um, my best guess, and again, it isn't something I've thought about, but on the fly, this is my prediction. I think Ducati get rid of Johan Zarco, and they move Mark into Pramac. Uh, because, I mean, look, Mark probably won't accept Pramac, and I, I know that's probably what you're thinking, but I don't think Ducati get rid of Bastianini or Bagnaia to make way for Mark, and I think with Mark, this is the first time in Mark's career where he doesn't have all the cards and he doesn't have the leverage. If he wants to move, he's going to have to accept moving to somewhere like Pramac, because the factory team are not going to jettison Banyaya or Bastianini to make room for a now injured Mark Marquez. If he's willing to accept Pramac, he ends up there. If he's not willing to accept second fiddle, which he probably won't, then who knows? But I don't think it'll be with Honda beyond the end of the season. I believe that Ducati will be stupid. I discussed it a little bit with uh, Jack Gorst. He said Ducati would be brave, but I think Ducati would be stupid to replace either Inea Bastianini or Pekka Banyaya with Marc Marquez. I don't think this is ever going to happen because they are the future and Marc Marquez is the past. I don't think even that Marc Marquez offers more value to Ducati than Joan Zarco because I know this sounds crazy, but Joan Zarco is doing all the testing work that uh, Ducati wants him to do. He, I believe he uh, he wrote the whole season without a front right height device because it was banned for next season, also for this season, and um, therefore gained a lot of valuable data. He's very selfless. Yeah, that's very true. He is and, very selfless. And I believe this adds a lot more value to Ducati than Marc Marquez, who's obviously very selfish because he wants one thing and this is a world title and he doesn't give a fuck about anything else. And I don't also think that uh, they would give him or that he would accept a Pramac seat. And I think to Ducati, maybe somebody like Pedro uh, or some other Moto2 riders uh, or like Bezeki or whatever they offer more value for them over the long term than Mark Marcus will. But what Mark Marcus does is he brings all the sponsorship money, all the attention. And therefore, if he indeed, Mark Marcus has a contract until the end of 2024. So he was, uh, he's set for Honda for this season and next season. And in 25, he could be somewhere else. But if he somehow gets out of this contract, um, I believe Aprilia is a very good spot for him because Aprilia is a small factory. They could offer him a factory seat if either Aleix Espargaro retires or Maverick Vinales gets booted. And um, I think he will add a lot of value for Aprilia because 
of the money thing. They will get a lot of sponsorships. They will get a lot of attention. And Aprilia is a very small factory. They could use this money. And I don't think he will go to Yamaha. Why would he? It's the same situation as Honda. Yeah. Why would he do this? Uh, I don't think he will go to KTM because I think it's even worse. <laughs> and uh, Honda, for him, Honda is still a very good spot because don't forget he was more or less out for three years. And Honda is in a situation where they are developing without a rider who tells them in which direction to develop. So I think if Honda and Mark Marcus work together over the next two years, 23, 24, I think they will make some serious, uh, some serious progress. Which brings me to one of my bold predictions, which is uh, Mark Marcus will lead the championship at uh, some point. And I think there's a very good possibility that we come back from the Americas uh, round um, with Mark Marcus leading the championship. Let's say he has a okay-ish race in Portimao and he wins in uh, Argentina. He wins in Austin. I don't know why he wouldn't uh, lead the championship. Or if there's uh, a scenario where he wins uh, his usual races like Germany or whatever. And they will be, in my opinion, a point in the championship where Mark Marcus will lead. I think the most probable the most probable uh time frame would be after argentina but uh yeah do you have your phone on uh on loud no um it's actually just my laptop um something keeps oh, okay. coming up but it's all right yeah block them <laughs> okay so um yeah my next bold prediction is uh, that uh, joan mir will win a podium uh, will score a podium, not will win a podium, uh, because you win races and not podiums. But yeah, um, Joan Mia, I believe, will adapt to the Honda in a good way. Um, his crew chief said that he thinks he will do good on the Honda. And uh, yeah, we discussed this as well uh, on the Zepang uh, test review with uh, Jack Gorse that Joan Mir has a very aggressive style and it could work with the Honda pretty well. So I think there's a scenario a little bit like Paul Espargaro did in Misano in 2021 where he could uh, score a podium. And uh, yeah, I think that that uh, John Mir will be better than AI believed and B, a lot of people believe. Yeah, I think those are good predictions. Um as for Mark leading the championship at one point, I am very skeptical of that. Just because of Bagnaia and Bastianini, if it isn't one of them, it will be the other. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, Joan Mir scoring a podium, I can see. Um, again, Joan Mir, like you very famously said last year, if he wasn't a rider, he'd be an insurance salesman. And he takes that approach to his riding. Um, it is boring, but it is meticulous and it is stable. Um, and I think if he's stable enough, he will end up scoring a podium, maybe Catalonia, somewhere like that. Um, I can see that happening. Paul being better than Jack, I also agree with. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, Paul knows KTM. He was there for a while, and he got the bike to the very edge of its first win, where he was robbed by Miguel Oliveira, of all people. 
So um, I agree with your predictions. Um, the Mark one, I would have my concerns about, but the other two I can see happening. Yeah, you kind of spoil out the last one. I wanted to give you an opportunity to respond to Mark and John, since we are in this Repsol Honda <laughs> bubble. But uh, yeah, you took away my last one, which is that I believe Paul Espargaro will be significantly better than uh, than Jack Miller. For the reasons I laid out, I don't think that Jack Miller will have a very good season. I mean, uh, I think it will be better than Joan Zarko's KTM season, but uh, not a lot. And uh, I think that Paul Espargaro is getting full factory support. And even though KT, uh, Tech 3 is a little bit of a mess, um, it's not Tech 3 anymore. It's gas gas, so everything will be different. And um, yeah, I think he can do... Uh, I don't know if he will score a podium, but if the KTM has a good day and if Paul has a good day, he can finish in the top five. And I... I think that he will uh, make the thing work a lot faster than Jack Miller. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a very sensible way of looking at it, and I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. Okay, so um, I have a little bit of an announcement. We discussed this previously um, because of the sprint races. We usually do our um, our race reviews on like on Sunday or Monday, and if uh, shit is hitting the fan, even on Tuesday, but um, yeah, with the Superbike uh, race weekends, I kind of figured out that it's difficult, at least for me personally, uh, to have multiple races to discuss after another race happened. For example, if there's race one on Saturday and then the Super Pole race and then race two, it's difficult after race two to really uh, discuss everything that happened in race one because it kind of gets overwritten by race two and the Super Bowl race. And therefore, we had the idea of doing uh, sprint race reviews on Instagram Live. It should be fairly easy to just uh, hop on Instagram Live, talk shit about uh, the riders, and then uh, put the phone away. <laughs> so, yeah, this this is like a bit of an experience, experiment there. And um, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope we can do this uh, regularly. But, uh, yeah, the race reviews will stay the same. And on Saturday evening, we will do a little bit of a sprint race review. I don't know, maybe 15 minutes or whatever. And um, and talk a little bit on IG Live. And I would encourage everybody to uh, to hop on and ask questions or do whatever you want in the comment section. And yeah, we, uh, we will treat this a little bit of an experiment if this works in a good way. And uh, yeah, if it does, then we will continue it. And if not, then we will just ignore the sprint races or whatever. I don't know. But I'm very excited to try it. And I'm really looking forward to the first race in Portimao now. Um, the weekend will be a little bit of a pain in the ass because uh, actually uh, we are a little bit busy, my girlfriend and I, because she has some stuff going on. And yeah. I'm uh, helping her and watching MotoGP, so yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. But yeah, I'm hoping that um, I will catch all the races live, and yeah, I'm very excited to uh, to uh, to do the sprint race reviews on IG Live with you. Yeah, same. Um, I gotta say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited about this. We are branching out. No longer is it just YouTube. We are coming to Instagram and probably a whole host of other places as well. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get it together. But I'm very excited about this. 
Dorna put obstacles in our way, they still can't stop us. We're like Andrew Tate in the Matrix, you know, Moto GP Aikido, that's what we do. Um they put it they put in sprint races, we make it work. They put in obscene start times, we still make it work. And I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. And like you said, you touched on a great point. Um, it'll be great to interact with all of you as well. If you have questions, if you have thoughts about the races, if you have things you want us to discuss, or you just want to hear a shit on your favorite or your least favorite rider, we are here to serve that purpose. You got questions, comments, all that kind of stuff. We will discuss it. We will debate it in an intelligent and non-intelligent manner. And I'm really excited about this. I think it could actually be great for the podcast, you know. Um, I know a lot of you guys, you, you're all very great at, you know, sort of responding and getting involved with our content, which I'm sure we both really, really appreciate. And it'll be great to be more interactive as well. You know, I like um, I like answering people's questions, people's comments, people's opinions. And if we have those in front of us, we can work on them while we're talking about the races. So very excited. Looking forward to trying it out this weekend from Portugal, Portimao. I'm very excited. Yeah, and I learned that on Sunday, from the night from Saturday to Sunday, that in Europe the times uh, will change to summertime. So uh, please, please uh, set your clocks uh, and therefore don't miss the race. What's worse than uh, tuning in an hour early or an hour later? I don't know. But uh, yeah, missing the race or whatever, fucking up your plans, it would be a shame. So therefore, I really hope that. Um, that we have a great weekend that we can discuss all of this stuff and i treat it a little bit like the uh, bad motor gp show we did last uh or we started last year where we're just trying things out we went from zoom and we have better microphones now better camera and a new platform so improving bit by bit and yeah trying to get a hold of this instagram live thing maybe Someday we will have a better solution, but this is like getting our feet wet a little bit. So I'm very excited. And um, I would like to ask you, what are your predictions for the party Mar GP? Real quick, who's going to finish on the podium? Oh, good question. Um, so to kick off the season in MotoGP, my podium for Portimao, my Portimao Portuguese podium, bit of alliteration there for the ladies and gentlemen watching the show. Um, I'm not sure what order it's going to be, but I think Paco's going to be on the podium. I think Bastianini's going to be on the podium. And I think Quartararo's going to be on the podium. I think it's going to be a Jakarta-Yamaha hybrid. A Jakamaha. I think that Paco will win. I think Fabio will finish second. And I think that Alex Marquez, who's good around Portimao, will finish third. Nice. That's a good uh, pick. I is, like that. This is my pick because the testing, it's uh, it sets him up perfectly to be better than he actually is on a new bike. Yeah. So uh, I'm very excited. Thank you very much for uh, joining me, Keelan. Thank you, every, uh, everybody, for watching. And we will see each other uh, hopefully after the sprint race on Instagram and then again uh, doing the show. I believe we will do it on Monday. So goodbye. Take care. Thank you very much.